Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hello, I am bringing you this episode of Dish the Dirt from Wanaka, Central Otago, New Zealand. Uh, It's great to be back on my homeland and we have had a wonderful time away. I hope to speak to a couple of New Zealand flower farmers before I leave. But yeah, thank you New Zealand for turning on the magic. It has been wonderful. This week I am speaking to Tara Luca from Olive Gap Organic Farm, a certified organic family-run farm run by herself, her husband and her two sister-in-laws in in northern New South Wales. They produce native essential oils and small-scale seasonal slow flowers. A former musician and birth doula, Tara has been living off-grid on an intentional community with her husband Alex and their three daughters for the past 10 years. The farming developed out of their love for homesteading, growing food, owner building and building soil from scratch. Tara now writes for Earth Garden magazine and shares stories of their bushland life on Instagram at Olive Gap Farm. It was so wonderful to speak to Tara. I do want to note here that we did have a sort of an overlap of recording. So sometimes Tara is just finishing her story when I'm asking the next question, but that sort of happens in the middle of the episode and it really does iron itself out for the end. I do apologize if you find this a bit annoying, but this recording was just so beautiful and Tara speaks so well that I didn't want to redo it. So we just have to bear with it. Our farmers sometimes are very remote and we are doing this um, via just an app. So yeah, bear with that. But it's such a lovely story. And thank you so much, Tara, for being on Dish the Dirt. Let's get into it. So how's your day been? Uh, It's been a little bit wild, actually. I've just been, um, we've just finished a building and I've been kind of moving basically, just within my own house, but still moving. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm quite tired actually from from that, but it's lovely to be sitting down now and chatting to you. So what, is it a farm building or is it a part of your house or what have you built? It's kind of part of our house. It's um, it was started off as a shed. It's right next to our house, but it's bedrooms for um, our girls and uh, a little guest room. So it's kind of like a, it's it's part of the house, but it's a separate dwelling. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it is. It's a long. It's been a long project that we've been working on for a while. So once we finish this, we'll. doing more building down the farm as well so there's always a lot of building going on around here always something to do isn't there (laughs) absolutely so do you want to start off by telling me where you're based and a little bit about um your farm sure um so we're in northern new south wales uh we're called our suburbs called the gap or Woodburn, which is kind of near Evans Head. Um, we're very much out of town um, and we're on two sites. So we have um, our house where we grow the flowers around the house at the moment and then we have a little farm that's just down the road that's got our tea tree that we do. Um, we grow and distill our own tea tree oil as well and we're just starting putting flowers down there. Um yeah, so not, about an hour south of Byron Bay. Okay, beautiful. Be so beautiful up there. Um, what? How big is your farm? Uh, well, the the area that I'm currently growing flowers in is um, pretty small. It's like about a quarter of an acre, yeah. and um, we have, um, as I said, just a 
bit more land down on the main farm, which is like a 110-acre property, and we're preparing about um, about an acre at the moment to start off with, with the flowers, and um, probably I think at most I'll be doing two. I still want to, you know, keep our flower production small scale, two acres probably maximum um, in the future. But at the moment, yeah, it's a, it's a small plot of about a quarter of an acre. Yeah. Which is about as much as I can manage by myself. Um, there's a lot. So plenty still, yeah. There's a lot that comes out of there. Yeah, I can't even manage my, like, tiny little patch of garden. So I don't know how you all do it, really. It's insane. <laughs> so what are you growing in terms of flowers? Um, well, I've got quite a few roses um, out there and dahlias that are just finishing up at the moment. They're kind of the two main flowers um, that I grow over summer um, because summer's pretty difficult up here, like just a lot more challenging um, and different challenges this year than last year. Really, last year was drought. This year it's been wet. It's been pretty wild. But, yeah, roses and dahlias in summer and then um, – Things are changing over now into the cooler stuff. So I've got stock and snapdragons and poppies and things like that. About to put the ranunculus in and um, a lot more of the the spring stuff uh, like uh, cosmos and um, lots of more successions of stock and snapdragons. I love those yeah. as well. So, yeah, it's kind of changing with the seasons. Um, but... I think um, I'll be planting more roses this year as well. So oh, yeah, lovely. What variety of roses do you have? What was that of roses? Yeah, what varieties do you have? Uh, I've got a, quite a mix out there. Like I, I really love David Austin's. Um, they really don't have the the vase life and, um, you know, they're a bit more more fragile. But um there's quite a lot of floribundas out there as well and um, some hybrid teas. Um, yeah, got a mix. I just love the fragrant uh, roses. And I'm, I'm at this year actually because I've had them in for about three years now um, and I'm just going to sort of choose the ones that have been doing quite well. And a few of them I'll just keep in just for myself yeah. <laughs> I'll just put in my like little little garden bed so a lot of the David Austin's actually are going to be coming out unfortunately but I'll be keeping a few yeah. so um yeah, wonderful. and you are certified organic um yeah, yeah. So how did that come about and also how did you begin on your flower journey and get to this beautiful tea farm and growing these quarter acre flowers um well we've kind of um it's sort of evolved from us homesteading really like we've been um owner builders living on a um community and growing our own food and um really doing we're off grid doing things from from scratch yeah. so um things have kind of, we've been you know we're really thinking about how we could integrate a business into our life because we've kind of we were homeschooling our children um up until just recently actually they've gone to school but they're pretty old now so <laughs> that was a huge part of um of our life I say old but my eldest is just about to turn 15 yeah. but it's um it's been a good good few years of that being very integrated so we were trying to just find something that tied in to all of our loves um, but also that we could do from home. We've, um, my husband and I have always just loved growing and he grew up on this property. Um, his parents are next door actually so he grew up growing veggies and, and things like that. And um, so we started developing sort of permaculture gardens around our house from when we first moved in because the soil isn't particularly good here we're up on a really sandy ridge um it's right on the coast and it's beautiful but we don't have the beautiful northern new south wales soil that um a lot of people have a bit further north um and so we've just been improving the soil and it's actually really really good now but it was all going to be just about food production and then 
I think as we started learning more about that, we sort of realised, you know, we didn't need as much space to be able to grow um, food as we got better at it and better at succession planting and stuff. And I started growing um, flowers and it's sort of now I've taken over. We do still grow veggies, but the garden's just gotten bigger and bigger. And, um, yeah, we ended up just having an opportunity to buy um, a farm down the road with Alex's sister Tess and um, it wasn't really something that we'd planned but um, it had productive tea tree on it. It was already certified organic and there was a beautiful old man Arthur that we'd known as our neighbour for many years um, and he showed us sort of the traditional methods of um, distilling the tea tree all off grid and it was... Um, it just kind of happened and it was a really wonderful uh, opportunity and probably the fact that that we've always been organic gardeners but the fact that that the tea tree was already certified organic and the farm um, was very much uh, wanting to keep going that way uh, we had the garden around our house included in the certification so it's just seen as two sites um, of the same farm um, and yeah, we, I guess I just wanted people to know as, in as many ways as possible just that we were trying to grow them in um, the most pristine, you know, natural way that we possibly could. Yeah. Um, and there aren't very many certified organic flower farms or tea tree farms for yeah. that matter. But, um, yeah, I just like being able to give that as that extra little bit that we're doing yeah. everything that we can. And what yeah. did you have to do to be certified organic? Like what is the process for that? Is it quite a tricky process? Is it does it take a Well, I think that because um, we were quite lucky, Arthur, who um, was the farmer that we bought um, the, the main farm from, he stayed on as our mentor and so we didn't need to go into the in-conversion stage, which a lot of new farmers need mm. to do. Um, so we just had to have one year of a mentorship um, where he trained us and he signed off that um, we understood all the practices and stuff. So that was that was an advantage um, for us. But um, to get the flowers then done there is quite a bit of paperwork um and we do need to show that we have um tried to get our seed from an organic source although you know it's actually quite difficult to get a lot of flower seed um that is certified organic in australia so you just need to prove that you have at least attempted to to do that and um yeah there's a whole bunch of um of paperwork that you need to do and get um like I basically have just stuck with a few suppliers so that they can um help me do my paperwork mm. um as far as buying seed and things like that but um I guess the first year was a bit tricky but it's just getting easier and easier and um and I got you know a little bit of advice as a couple of other certified organic growers around this area that I got bits and pieces of help from which was really good so yeah it's just something that once a year it's just one of those things that I do yeah. um and I yeah it's it's not too bad uh so you said that it's hard to get certified organic seed why do you think that is is it just because there's not many people growing certified organic flowers or it's expensive why um, why is it it's a really good question. I think it's actually difficult to get certified organic seed even for vegetables in Australia. Like you, you, it is there, mm. but I'm not quite sure the quality. I know a lot of organic um, veggie growers still buy their seed from um, overseas because they um, they have just found, um, you know, companies that they're really happy with and stuff. So, yeah, I think, I mean, even a lot of the flower seed that I get um, and that a lot of flower, uh, a lot of the flower growers are still getting seed from overseas as well. They're, they're, we can get it from Australia and I definitely, I definitely try to. But um, 
we don't often have as many of the varieties and things like that, even for the non-organic. So, yeah, as far as I know, nobody's doing it. Um, when it comes to flowers, there's a couple there's a couple of places where I think you can get zinnias and a couple of other things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a gap in the market. <laughs> I think it's it's, it's my retirement plan. Because. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be really great to be able to get organic seed um, from Australia for sure. But even from America, it's really difficult to get organic flower seed. So it all needs to, um, you need to fill out the, the forms just to say that you have attempted to and it's, um, and the seeds aren't GMO or have been treated or anything like that. Yeah, so, so yeah. just going back yeah. to when you first got the farm and you had to improve the soil how did you improve your soil were there certain techniques that you used that you found really worked um yeah we've done I think we've tried like so many things um we bought in mm. a lot of uh compost so uh a lot of a lot of compost over the years and we just have just kept adding compost kept adding organic matter um, just kept building it but we've experimented um, like when we opened up a new area we had pigs in there for a while mm. and um, we just kept them in there doing their thing and then moved them when we moved them out of there we put chooks in there and so there had been quite a lot done with them um, and we've done green manures and think we bought like a truckload of chook poo <laughs> at one point and I laughed because it was traumatic um we ended up oh. having like all these black flies hatch out of it um and we have we have like so many insects here where we live but we've never had those black flies that you know you can get out west and stuff and oh. and uh we had a plague for quite a while until we realized that um that we just needed to, well, we ended up mulching it all and it had kind of run its course. But, yeah, we had of um, organic matter, like tea tree mulch from the farm and um, and probably green yeah. manures are the main thing as well. And just over the years it's just been building and building and it's quite, it's beautiful now. Um, we just had a soil test lately, uh, recently and um, we were just so pleasantly surprised by how beautiful and balanced and everything it was so we've um we've just been adding you know we add organic extra and um dolomite and things like that um potash as we go yeah. and we try to do it in a very conscious way but we're always you know until you look at the soil test you don't really know um you can tell that the plants are happy and our yeah, plants wonderful. have always been really happy so but it was good to see that I haven't asked you how many you've been years building you've been some nice soil for. yeah okay. yeah uh it's been about 4 years now yeah i mean i've been growing them i've been selling them for about 4 years but um We've yeah. been here in our home. For so, who do you sell to? My own little, you know, hobby flowers out in the garden. But it's kind of it started business four years ago. Well, that's kind of I've been doing different things each year. I've kind of tried something different, um, and it's been evolving because it's quite different to uh, grow for a florist um, as opposed to you know, mm -hmm. growing for your own um, bouquets and things like that, especially in a small space. Um, so I've definitely experimented a lot. The main places oh, I yeah. sell is to a friend of mine, Hannah, who is a um, another flower grower you might know from our little flower farm. She, um, yeah, she's just yeah. in the next town and um, I sell to her little store that's at Nuribar Merchants up in... Um, up in Nuremberg. I've definitely sold to quite a few florists um, on and off. I think the most difficult thing that I've had with the flowers is just keep. Well, I think that I've tried out selling to at farmers markets, selling directly to florists. Um, I sold at a cafe for quite a while. That was sort of where I really um, 
got to um, experiment and and break in my bouquet making and stuff. That was um, a little cafe called Evans to Betsy and they were really awesome and supportive. So that was kind of my first thing that I would take in a bunch of bouquets and um, and sell them from the cafe. And um, I did that un until about a year ago when they sold the place. But on top of that, I've done farmer's markets, tried a few different farmer's markets, and I've been trying to work out which one works best for me. Um, mainly I've just discovered that um, in order to have the least amount of waste, I want to be picking and selling three times a week. Uh, sometimes I only do it two times a week, but um, but yeah, I've been trying to time, you know, which customers need flowers on which days, and um, I I think I've realised that I really do have a passion for um, floristry and for doing weddings and things like that. So I've been uh, trying to. Um, you know, have other places where I'm yeah. selling to midweek, so I've got enough flowers for the for the weddings on the weekends as well. And if I don't have enough, I've been buying them from other local um, growers uh, just to top up if I haven't got enough flowers. Um, but yeah, it's kind of been constantly evolving because I've found to do to sell to the florists. It really worked better when I had a um, a lot more quantity of like fewer varieties so I was finding florists I was saying oh you know I have snapdragons and stock this week and they would say great can I have 10 um whites and 10 um 10 white snapdragons and 10 white stocks and I'd be like oh gosh I don't have that much because I was sort of planting a lot more variety so I could do more mixed bouquets and stuff um and yeah, that's that's been evolving very much. But Hannah, on the other hand, because she's so passionate about local flowers, she's kind of just like, yep, I'll have snaps and stock and send me as much as you have. Or maybe, you know, she might just say um, cap it at five or something. But she's always fine if I don't have enough. Um, so it works well. So I've been trying to... Um, yeah, be, be quite fussy really yeah, to find out good. what works I, best for I the small scale that I'm growing on, how to make the most out of it. Just be like, oh, I need like three buckets and whatever is in them is fine. Ooh. That's sort of what I love. <laughs> I know it can be tricky when you're trying to do an all-white wedding or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's that's the beauty of um I've found one of the best things has been working with other local growers for things like that because there there are plenty of weddings I've found that it, where it's just been um you know like a white color palette um with greenery and yeah that can kind of send a small scale flower farmer into a little sweat but when you're working with others it's like oh great who's got whites this week and it sounds like you've got a really yeah, good yeah it definitely makes it way are. more doable are there quite a few growers like you around you Yeah, look, it's really building. When I first started, I thought that I was kind of the only one and it was this whole new thing and I hadn't really discovered uh, florette or anything. Um, and it was exciting, like in the in the first year when I realised a lot of people had already started and um, and I discovered Hannah and there's um, Janelle from Byron Bay Organic Flower Farm and um, Lani so I, I, um, from Hanging Rock Farm Um I definitely we developed a bit of a community pretty pretty early on in in my journey, which um, which has been super cool. And there's there's more people popping up at the moment um, all around the northern rivers. And yeah, we're trying to create a bit of a network where we can help each other out because there's a lot more um, people interested in buying flowers this way so i think um yeah. i think that's our best bet really is to work together and see how we can um support each other and make it you know easy to um do things like big events and and stuff like that that 
Um, yeah. Yeah, makes a lot more sense doable, being able to work together. Yeah. Uh, generally, the good old social media <laughs> is the way. Like, um, and, yeah, I, Hannah and Lani and I, we, we text or message all the time, um, occasional phone calls, and we do get together for cups of tea. We haven't for ages, though. I must say yeah. since COVID we haven't gotten together, but we've been talking about it. Um we did have a couple of like microflower farmer um like cup of tea dates um probably about two years ago or something and that was a cool way to get to meet each other and have a bit of a have a bit of a yarn about what each other was doing and um yeah I've I found that a huge part of just learning especially what grows um when around here um, even now I get absolutely amazed when I see other people local to me and they're like, oh, I've just popped this in the garden this week. And I'm like, really? Gosh, I thought that was going to be like, I wasn't going to plant that for another month. So I'll get like inspired and try and plant it. So, yeah, that local that local knowledge um, yeah, I've learned lovely. heaps. From, and from what are your biggest challenges awesome. in your climate? Would you say that summer is just full on just the heat and the humidity um fungal things like I think I actually have it pretty good for this area um as far as the humidity just because where the our flowers are currently grown we're surrounded by native dry sclerophyll bush so I think it's we've got a bit of a drier microclimate um where I am so I don't seem to have as many issues as they do further north near near Byron but I still do have um I still do have issues especially when there's a lot of rain um and just a lot more there's a lot more weed pressure and pest pressure around summertime so summer is definitely my least favorite time around here we're just coming into autumn now and it's just so nice so much nicer and I think I really belong in a cold climate I don't know why I live up here actually because <laughs> I mean I absolutely love it but I'm, right I'm, I'm from Melbourne maybe, so cold. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, well I think it was it was 12 degrees in the morning yesterday which is like about as cold as it gets here and I was so excited to put a jumper on <laughs> And I was just like, yay. And we lived in the snowy mountains for three years um, as well, uh, be just before we moved um, back up here. And I really loved the cold climate. And I do like drool over all the cold climate tulips and things yeah. like that. But, <laughs> you know, you can't have it all. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd say that's one of the main challenges. Um, and also because it's a challenge for me that I'm quite remote uh, as far as um, deliveries go. So it actually takes me um, 10 oh, minutes wow. at least to just get out of my property. Um, and, it, and it's quite hilly. And so like packing flowers and the back of the ute and all that sort of stuff. That's why I think I'm just, I've really experimented with um, where I'm selling and I've just been, um, yeah, super trying to do it really consciously so that I'm integrating my deliveries with other driving that needs to happen because, um, yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I can't just pop down the road, if you know what, what was that? <laughs> oh, lots of disasters. <laughs> but um, I just have square buckets now that fit really nicely into um, into these black um, into these black tubs. And if need be, I sort of shove towels and foam and things. But um, but it's yeah, I, I've just found different ways. We, my husband and I, tried all sorts of fancy ways to like. We had these holes cut into pieces of foam where I had my bouquets, and I've just discovered that it just does not work mm. for me to wrap flowers before I leave the property. Um, if I do anything else, that's um, I can I can transport them. But it's just way easier if I just wherever I'm going to deliver to, I have like a little setup in the back of my yeah, ute where nice. I do my wrapping once I've gotten there. Or if, if I do um, a farmer's market, I have just kind of take buckets now and I don't make any bouquets until I get there. I just get there a bit early and I, and I um, do them up there or I do them like in front of people yeah. with 
you know, them being part of it, which is really nice. So I've just found ways to <laughs> to try to save try yeah. to save my poor my poor flowers because um because uh, they go on a journey. What would be <laughs> just, your biggest just to get um, piece of knowledge that you would like to share or maybe starting out on this journey? Um well I think maybe two of the points which I've touched on. I don't think you need to have amazing, like a lot of space and amazing soil in order to do it. Um, I definitely, when I moved up here, we'd been living at a place with with beautiful soil and we, we kind of didn't want to move back here because of the, the sandy, poor native soil here. But I've really realised that it doesn't need to take years and years. There's just a lot of ways that you can um, that you can improve small areas and I think it just makes it a bit more doable because um, generally speaking it can be really difficult you know to to buy a property to begin with really and especially when we're looking for places that have beautiful soil often they're just really expensive as well so I've become quite passionate about like improving marginal soil and I think you can grow anything in them and a lot of people just go I cannot believe you're growing roses and flowers up there like um, you know it that's just that's just wild and I had thought that I couldn't but it's been totally it's been totally doable so that's that's one thing that um that I've learned um and and probably the remoteness as well like I had always thought that I probably live a bit too far away um from you know a major city or anything like that but I am quite lucky that Byron Bay is only an hour away, really, because that's quite a hub for um, people interested in, you know, how yeah. things are grown and there's also lots of weddings and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I think there's just so many little little hurdles like that within our mind that we can kind of go, oh, you know, no, that's just not doable. It's not perfect. Um, yeah, and there certainly is nothing perfect and and easy about where I've started growing flowers, but yeah. somehow it's just kind of worked. So I guess not to be discouraged that you have to have it, you know. About <laughs> the industry, what <laughs> do you love about the flower industry and then what would you change if you could, if there's anything? Um, I guess... Well, I love the fact that more people are um, becoming interested in in slow flowers and knowing um, and growing, um, like buying from small um, microflower farms. Like I love how people are starting to um, realise, I guess, a lot of the environmental impacts that have come from a lot of large-scale conventional farming um, mm. in every agricultural field really. Um, and I guess flowers are one of those things that a lot of people don't think about so much because um, they're generally not eaten. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I just answered that question. I totally just went. Oh, <laughs> you were saying, you were saying about what you loved about it. You love that more people, yeah, looking into buying local. Yeah. And- organic flowers and then maybe we just got lost on <laughs> what would you yeah change? absolutely <laughs> <laughs> what would I change yeah yeah um what would I change about it well um just I guess I think it's all going in in the right direction I definitely I don't see why anybody needs to wrap flowers um well actually (laughs) I'm just about to eat my words I was going to say I don't know why anyone would wrap flowers in plastic but then duh because like obviously when you've got an extreme driveway wrapping them in plastic really helps when (laughs) flashes transportation and stuff um but I would definitely like I've I've worked at a few florists um doing work experience and then doing paid work over the last few years just to learn more floristry skills and um, the amount of plastic waste, um, and I, uh, the, um, agriculturally, 
there's a lot of plastic used as well but even just in forestry I definitely love to see mm. that come down and more alternatives um, for biodegradable stuff because um, yeah I, I, I was quite horrified unpacking boxes of flowers that came from the markets um, just how much extra waste that there was um, but there are, I'm discovering new things all the time as well because there's so many um, you know it's so convenient and I know why it's there um, but there's a lot more products that that people are releasing that um, I'm trying out as well so I yes. hope that becomes more widely used as as their yeah. products become available yeah, I've seen a really cool new wet wrap which I'm not sure if you can yeah. get in Australia but you can get it sent maybe from the States and it's biodegradable, like a, yeah, biodegradable uh, yeah. wet wrap for, you know, like flowers, retail flowers. And awesome, but I just haven't been able to find a contract yeah. for it in Australia. Um, you can use yeah. dog poo oh, bags. Yeah, some, well, um, I've, I've, you know, paper towels. So. <laughs> but it's the same things like I, I've sometimes just used newspaper and those like little lunch bags little waxed lunch bags and stuff but um, I've got an eco wrap that I bought from Australia but I have only just realized recently that uh, it's not fully like home compostable um, but there is one that is from the states yeah. I can't remember its name now it's probably the one you were just talking about but um but Hannah buys that bulk for her store in, in Newry Bar at our little flower farm. So I'm just going to get in on her next order because I have heard that they're way better. Um, and I think that the, especially when you're doing a, um, a delivery, like I do, the ones that I do wrap at home are the wet wrapped ones that are just like mm -hmm. a private order that are going to somebody's house. Um, and I, I always want to make sure that um, yeah. that's going to last as long as possible so that um, in case it sits on their front doorstep or whatever yeah. for a while. Um, so yeah, I get so fussy at people at the, at the farmer's markets because often I always offer to do wet wraps and a lot of people go, no, no, it's fine, and they'll put it in their, their basket with their veggies and then I'll see them like having a chai tea on the grass with their flowers <laughs> with the little stems exposed and I'm like ah <laughs> so, so I usually will, will go in and intervene with a wet wrap at that point. I always say that too I'm like are you going straight home because if you're not yeah that's right <laughs> I remember when a florist first asked me that and I had no idea like I I Way back then, I can kind of relate to people just don't think about it so often. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going home in an hour or two hours or, or you know, even longer. I remember just thinking, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. But yeah. now it's like, oh, gosh, those things need to be in water. <laughs> when you've yeah. gone to so much effort. And you've gone you know, so much effort um, to kind of keep them cool and keep them people. in water for so long that when – somebody takes them away from you you're like oh no but if it doesn't I actually had a classic it was Valentine's Day and a guy came in and he wanted Cafe Olay Daily is but it was the day before and I said to him uh yeah. I'm sure you just don't want to come and get these in the morning and he said no 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 I'll take them tonight because I want to surprise her in the morning and I said where are you going to put them and he said oh my car boot <laughs> <It'd be a laughs> It's so hot. I was like, no, 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 that's not going to work. And he was like, oh, it's okay. I'll put them in my shed then. And he just wouldn't take no for an answer. Anyway, I saw his partner a few, like a few days after Valentine's. And I said to her, oh, how were your flowers? She was like a bit wilted. I'm like, oh, no. Just quickly about the tea tree oil, because this is something ever like no one on the podcast has mm -hmm. ever had a tea tree farm before. So uh, do you sell that oh. like wholesale or how do you, or at markets or what do you do with your tea tree? Oh, we sell it wholesale um, and we've just in the last 12 months been um, like putting it in bottles yeah. to sell retail ourselves. So we're selling it off our website, directly from our website and um, also yeah. we're in a bunch of stores. 
um, which we're starting to, I think we're in about, we only have about a dozen stores at the moment. Um, but I'm in Brisbane with a few different stores being one of those and we're just going to be increasing that this year. So we're hoping to have like try doing some new products um, with the tea tree as well. We're doing hydrosol for the first time this year, which is going to be cool because the hydrosol is like a water-soluble um, sort of diluted tea tree that's a byproduct of making the pure essential oil um, and we've never captured that um, for sale before up until this year. So that's going to be, that's a new thing yeah, that we're wow. starting to do. Um yeah, so we're wanting to do it directly as much as possible, but sort of wholesale will be our, our always our backup. There's actually not many certified organic tea tree farms in Australia, so we have quite a really high yeah. demand for the wholesale, which is really good. But, um, yeah, but I guess like the flowers, we want to keep it small and boutique and we distill the oil um, in a really sort of slow, old-fashioned way to try to get the purest, like highest quality tea tree that we can get we use um like an old yeah, wood right. fire uh, distiller um smells amazing when it's um, when it's doing the job um yeah so that that side of the business is evolving as well and um i'm i'm mainly focusing on the flowers i do a lot of the sales and um stuff for the tea tree and help out at harvest time but that's mainly mm -hmm. my husband Alex and his sister Tess and her partner Nina. Thank yeah, you. Wonderful. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about it because it sounds so interesting, especially mm -hmm. the way that you distill your tea tree. Sounds incredible. Uh, yeah. So on, that, on that note, I've been use I use tea tree a lot in my floristry. So I I just use it to sterilize like my secateurs and tools and things like that. And um, I, instead of using, like, as an alternative, if people use a little bit of bleach um, to wash buckets and things like that, I, I use tea tree. I sometimes put a little bit. I've tried testing vase life, putting it just a drop, um, you know, in a vase to see if that will increase the vase life in much in the same way as bleach will. So, Does it work? Yeah, I think the it's good. The tea in tree in the vase? It does? Well, it definitely... It, I, I think I need to do more tests before I start boasting, but it definitely does the job of keeping the um the glass, you know, freer from bacteria. So it's clean. It looks cleaner if you haven't changed your water. So I think it I think it is um prolonging the vase life a little bit, but um but yeah, I need to do some very <laughs> some very tests. So this is a question I ask everyone and if you've listened to the podcast you would have heard it. If you had to leave your farm quickly, what three seeds or plants would you take with you? Oh, the three the three seeds. I would take my um I've got Celosia flamingo feather seeds that um I always collect heaps of seeds from this one little batch. So I do I do Celosia flamingo feathers. Um I would uh, sweet Annie. I just am obsessed with that mm. herb, sweet Annie, that I use as a foliage. Um, and um, I don't know, maybe just <laughs> oh, I can't think of another one. I... <laughs> My husband's yelling things at me because I'm probably going to get off this and think about like a ten billion seeds that I would <laughs> that I would want to take with me, but. Um, Oh, well, look, this isn't a flower, but I've got some lettuce seed from my Sicilian uncle in Melbourne that he thinks, you know, is like some magical um, heirloom lettuce. And I often um, share the seed because it's the most amazing lettuce. So I'm sorry, it's not a flower, but I would, I call it Uncle Michael's um, lettuce. And it's just really um, lovely and mild and it does, it's very, very slow to bolt. So it lasts a long time. So yeah, that would probably be my third. Um, and what no, was the other one? Yeah, no, it was just like three seeds plant? or plants or whatever you want. Oh, all plants. Oh, okay. Oh, well, look, in okay, that case, good. I'd probably just dig up my favourite roses. <laughs> well, I don't know. Look, let's just say I'd be a mess deciding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what okay, we would do, good. but all and of the above. Do you 
A favourite flower? <laughs> I think that my favourite is probably, mm. are probably roses. So I think that they are, are um, I, I mean, I love ranunculus. I find that they're like, they're my favourite to grow because I just find them really easy and prolific. Um, but I definitely, if I'm going to cut flowers for myself, for my kitchen table or my bedroom, I'll go and um, pick some roses. So there isn't a particular a particular one um, that I could say, except all of my favourite colours are usually really uh -huh. the not great cut ones. <laughs> so I absolutely adore cafe. Um, so, but it's it just it doesn't have nice strong stems and it's got mm. gnarly thorns and blah 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 but yeah. that's my favorite color um yeah and claire rose uh, david I austin i love that one as well yeah <laughs> it's so beautiful and who has inspired you the most on this journey yeah. i think as far as growing um i've probably been inspired the most by my husband because he's um i've kind of most of my gardening I've all learnt mainly from him. I went on to study organic farming at TAFE afterwards and got a few new tips, but Alex has probably been my biggest inspiration. But um, other local growers that I mentioned earlier, like Lani from Hanging Rock Farm and, um, and Hannah from Our Little Flower Farm, um, they've been really awesome and inspiring I've got just a couple of like Instagram crushes that have always been really <laughs> uh like Rose and Radish I think they're down in South Australia do you know them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. always loved her and everything she does um and uh up Poppy and Fern up at the farm I really love her floristry style and of course mm -hmm. um like the people like Florette and um is it Ponderessa and Time? Have I pronounced it correctly? Katie? Oh, uh, yeah. She's, I oh, love yes. her floristry. Um, yeah. And the Love Garden Co. was another uh, Instagram crush that I had for a while. And then I got, I met her recently and now we're friends, which is really lovely. Um, oh, yeah. And um, she's just was on the, I, I, I write for Earth Garden magazine. And I just did a story on women who farm and she got to be on the front cover with her flowers, which was really lovely. Oh, lovely. But yeah, I'm just constantly inspired and I, I definitely get a lot of juice from from Instagram. I've made some really um, authentic, lovely connections um, through that platform, which is really lovely because I know that, you know, it's kind of cyber life <laughs> that can be a little bit, you know, perfect and cropped and everything but um but yeah because I'm quite remote I don't get out much so it's really good to to meet people um online and just just to follow what their farms are doing so yeah 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 and is there anything that we haven't discussed that you wanted to share um I'm not sure. One of the um, other things that I'm, I have been working on um, after writing that series about women who farm through with Earth Garden, uh, we've sort mm. of started um, like a seasonal dinners for women, um, women farmers in our area so that we can get together. It doesn't need to be just flower farmers, but just anyone that any women that are um, farming in this area because I've, and, and further afield as well. There's a few people that are going to be travelling, I think, just because a lot of the time um, working on a farm and living on properties and things like that can be a little bit isolating and um, I just yeah. love connecting with women and when we've had our catch-ups like with the other flower farmers in this area, I just get so filled with um, encouragement and inspiration. So I don't know, I just thought that I would share that but I think um, in any way that we can connect with other um, farmers and especially female farmers if we're if we're out on the land and often just 
working with partners or sometimes by ourselves as well that um that that connection is really beautiful and lovely so yeah I'm looking forward to beautiful unfold yeah and how if somebody's out there and they're listening and perhaps they're in your area and don't know how to get in touch to do something like this how would they get in touch with you probably just best through our instagram page which is olive gap farm if you just send me a dm got a um an email we've just been collecting people's emails um and i think we're going to be starting the next the first one next month and just doing it four times a year but yeah if people want to travel from from wherever and come up for i don't know a weekend or something um i know there'll be a lot of flower farmers there so i'm sure it would be a blast to have more yeah definitely sounds like a great thing yeah Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. I could, I feel like I could chat to you all night, actually. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I'd and love to ask you more questions. You're obviously writing notes this whole time, and I feel like that we've covered a lot, but, yes, I could talk to you all night because oh. it sounds so interesting and beautiful, your farm. So thank you thank so you. much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you again to Tara from Olive Gap Flower Farm. It was so lovely to speak to you. If you would like to get in touch with Tara, you can do so via Olive Gap Farm on Instagram. Tara is, as she said at the end of the episode, starting up some um, dinners for local flower farming communities. And I think that's such a great initiative. So if you'd like to be part of that, please get in touch with Tara again at Olive Gap Farm on Instagram. Thank you to all of my farmers who, well, all of, not my farmers, but all of the farmers who have been on Dish the Dirt so far, who listen to Dish the Dirt, who spread the word of this wonderful community that we are building in Australia. Thank you so much. Um, If you would like to be on Dish the Dirt or you know of somebody who should be on Dish the Dirt, you can email me or get in touch via Instagram. Or you can even just give me a call. Sometimes that's an easy way to get in touch with me. So I hope to keep on bringing you these beautiful stories. It may not be every week. It may be spontaneously because that is how life is sometimes. But I hope to keep on bringing them to you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that wherever you are, you are having a wonderful weekend. I certainly am. I'm going to get out there and enjoy some more New Zealand Uh, serenity I don't know what it is here but it's something magic in the air so thank you all so much Uh, have a wonderful weekend and keep being blooming fabulous